a Saturday night pod of Spencer Speak Sports hosted by me, Spencer Swoboda, and I have moved to a new podcast location a new site we're at site number four now in in this what a little over six month history of of doing the podcast so the i'll I'll run kind of do a quick history lesson here of the past six months and and the different locations uh first of all it was the um it was in my car for a yeah like almost like the first half of it where i was the microphone was my headset and and that was it i was doing it um on the um uh, through my phone and then the second time i when i had to go back to college i was underneath my dorm room bed at school uh doing that or my um, my on-campus apartment so there was the second one the third one i was down in my basement of my house um, after after the school year ended, and then now I am in my own apartment and back back near where I go to school, and I'm out, you know, in a little bit more open area. I can just like kind of do this in my living room here. I don't have to get myself underneath a bed to make a soundproof system um, as much anymore. So uh, so yeah, so that's good, and then. I guess I'll also uh, incorporate here a few announcements that um, just just about what's going on in, in my life and and kind of in my uh, career early on here. So um, I'm still going to grad school. Um, so I'm doing that, um, doing my fifth year running all that. Uh, obviously, I, I said I moved into my apartment. My apartment is pretty close to the school I go to, Niagara University. The second thing is that um and i guess what i'll do is, is play this clip real quick i'll likely be living out here in western new york for the summer so obviously i'm gonna try to get get some tickets here see if the make sure the prices aren't aren't too crazy but i guess we'll have to find out uh who knows i could maybe be working there i have no, i have no clue but um but anyway i'm gonna try to take advantage of of a major league team being in the buffalo area so that was from the Buffalo Blues Jays episode. I think it was in early May. And basically, yeah, I said like, oh, you know, maybe I'll work there. And it turns out I am going to be working there. I'm going to be doing some game day stuff, just game day help pretty much at the, the stadium in Buffalo. And so I don't know how long. It could only be for a month. Um, but I think the 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 longer term well job i i I guess it's gonna be still a job on the side um but it's um a a writing job and i'll be a expert for fan sided's uh tennis site called lob and smash so that's um i guess that kind of shows the progression of the brand i set up with Spencer Speak Sports and just how I started off. I, I mean, th- throughout the entire, the first six or seven months of this, I've really been focusing on the podcasting, but I've also been doing some blogs here and there. I mean, I've, I've kind of been um, not really focusing on that, but I, I still have enough of a sample size to where uh, fans said I wanted to add me to the team. And now I'm a site expert for that. So 
the blogs, you know, I, 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 who knows, I I may kind of go dark on those. Like I kind of have been since probably what January or February. Um, but, uh, but all my tennis related writing now is going to be with the lob and smash, um, site there for fan sided. And, the, the cool thing about that is that my success or I guess my pay is based on the, the people who view my, my articles and view my blogs, whatever you want to, um, um, call them. So, so that's, that's good. I mean, it's just based on the, yeah, my success is based on the popularity of what I'm writing. So, um, so yeah, so that'll be interesting to see how things goes. Um, that's, a side job it's not going to be like a, a treat as like a full-time uh gig there but uh but yeah so those those are the announcements i wanted to make um new apartment going to be working for the buffalo well not the buffalo toronto blue jays in buffalo and then doing the lob and smash stuff i'll be promoting that um and, and, and encouraging people to check that out. Um, and like I said, uh, it, maybe I'll do some, some other non-tennis writing on my WordPress blog. Uh, eventually, like I keep saying, I'm going to try to eventually get to um, doing some YouTube stuff. But um, but yeah, so the main things right now uh, for me in, in the future are going to be the podcast and then my tennis blogs on Lob and Smash because that's what I am getting uh, paid to do is is to write there and not write on my blog, on my personal blog. So, so yeah, so that's that's my announcement. That's my update on what's going on. And um, yeah, just just um, I will keep you guys posted. Um, I should be writing on the Lob and Smash blog soon, so I will let you know. <laughs> Okay, so things in the NBA are getting real interesting. Now, like I said, I'm recording this Saturday night. It's roughly 9 o'clock, and already the Bucks and Nets have started Game 7 of their series, and we got first quarter. It's, it's um, almost a tie game here between the Bucks and Nets. And let's see, I'm trying to think. Uh, I was talking on... Wednesday. Okay, so the, so at that point on Wednesday, the Nets were up three to two, and I kind of thought that maybe this is leaning towards the Nets getting Game Six and and taking care of the series, but uh, Milwaukee proves me wrong, forces a Game Seven, and I mean, my thinking before this game started was that. Uh, Milwaukee would carry this momentum and just looking at game six when the Bucks won by 15 points 104 to 98 like Kevin Durant still put up 32 but it, it that just isn't enough and it doesn't seem like I mean Harden's still playing heavy minutes but it's not it doesn't just doesn't seem like he's gonna be able to contribute enough um though I mean let me just check right now of uh, what he's doing um so yeah harden's playing a little bit better already has seven points in the first quarter so that could very well change things um for the rest of for the rest of the game it's kind of weird to to do analysis when the game's happening right as you're talking about it but um but yeah i think uh just 
in general and and when I did the playoff predictions back at the start of it, I had the Bucks playing the 76ers and then because of my preseason picks of the 76ers, I had the 76ers beating the Bucks in the um, Eastern Conference Finals. Now the 76ers are in a game 7 with the Atlanta Hawks and I said even if Atlanta goes up 3-2 in the series that I still think the Sixers are going to win the series and they turn around and go and win game 6 in Atlanta which that could have I mean I think that was the opportunity right there and Atlanta missed it and they're going to pay for it in game 7 to where they had what like a eight point lead at halftime and then the Sixers had a really good start to to the third quarter where where Seth Curry was hitting some three pointers um Joel Embiid even got in the mix and hit a three so they they're, they were very efficient in the third quarter when it came to shooting and that propelled them to get the five point victory in game 6 over the Hawks and like I said, I mean, it's going to be real tough for the Hawks to win this game uh, tomorrow, Sunday night, going back to Philadelphia, game seven. I, Like I said, this entire, I'm, I'm surprised this has gone to a game seven, but I'm still very confident that the Sixers will pull, uh, will pull out a win there, get into the Eastern Conference Finals to play either Milwaukee or the Nets, and we're, we're going to find that out pretty soon, probably by time you're listening to this the result will already happen but i mean fingers crossed um i'm i'm i hope i'm right with with picking milwaukee for for game seven there um and then you have in the western conference finals it's set the the suns were uh smooth sailing into the conference finals after sweeping the nuggets uh four zero um the problem is now is that you have chris paul who the star veteran player of the team he is looking like he may not play tomorrow afternoon. Um, the game is like yeah Sunday at three thirty. So yeah, I think he's still in protocol, so he'll be out. That'll be interesting to see how that works. I still trust Devin Booker a lot, but if I'm, I want to talk about the Clippers here because they took out the Utah Jazz, the one seed in the West, the best team in the regular season in all of the NBA, and. The, yeah, the, the Clippers f- turned on a switch to make, I think the their drought of making the conference finals was 50 years, which was the longest in any um, major uh, pro sport league um, in, in the history. Yeah, in the history by 19 years, I think. I think the next um, team behind them for longest drought of not making a conference finals was 31 years by the Charlotte Hornets. The Clippers were at 50. They finally broke that and it took a unbelievable run in the third quarter of this game last night to where it was, Jesus score. It was like 90 to 71, I think. And the Clippers went on a 17 to nothing run, got it within two, within two points. Uh, Jazz Clippers kind of went back and forth, and then the Clippers pulled away at the end, ended up winning by 12 points. It was just insane. The, the, yeah, two completely different games to where uh, the Jazz outscored the Clippers by 22 in the first half, and then the Clippers <laughs> outscored the Jazz by what? Uh, 
34 in the second. So, and then remember, this is without Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard may be out for the entire playoffs, and they're relying on Paul George. And Paul George has contributed 28 points, seven assists, nine rebounds in this game, played 46 minutes. And I think a crucial thing here is it's not just Paul George. You have contributions from the rookie Terrence Mann, who was drafted in the second round by the Clippers, and people thought he could maybe be like, I mean, some um, um, analysts were saying like, oh, you know, Terrence Mann probably going to be in the G League, um, probably won't make huge contributions on the floor. He goes out and scores 39 points in this game, a big reason why the Clippers ended up winning. Reggie Jackson, 27 points as well. So just um, those contributions, along with Paul George's, definitely helped uh, um, that uh, fill that Kawhi Leonard void. And, I mean, the Jazz, like, it's not like they played bad. It's just that um, that run in the uh, in the third quarter to kill them to where the uh yeah the clippers outscored the jazz 41 to 22 in the third quarter um yeah like the, the it's just the clippers were just a little bit better and and um both from just the field in general and from the from three-point range so and yeah they no, I mean, not to discredit the Jazz, it's just, yeah, like I said, the Clippers play better, and uh, but it, it'll be real interesting to see what happens when the Clippers and Suns face off, especially without you're missing Chris Paul for the Suns, Kawhi Leonard for the Clippers. So as I mentioned previously with the Dallas Mavericks, I was talking about some coaches that were – um, let go or parted ways, fired, you could say too. But uh, with with Van Gundy of New Orleans, and then why am I drawing a blank on the other one? Um, I, I can't think of the other coach. But anyway, you. And more importantly, for the for this um, discussion, you had GM of the Mavericks, Donnie Nelson, uh, part ways with the team, and. It turns out that information has come out kind of about the situation and Nelson felt like he wasn't really in charge of the roster. Instead, it seems like uh, I believe this guy's first name is Hera Lobos or Hera Lobos Vulgaris, who was a former pro gambler and is now his title is the Mavericks Director of Quantitative Research and Development. Um, but apparently there's rumors basically saying that um, Vulgaris is Mark Cuban, the owner of the Mavs, Mark Cuban's um, basically number two. And uh, uh, Donnie Nelson, the, the now uh, fired GM or resigned GM, uh, felt that Vulgaris had more of a say, had more power in the organization. And and that's why he, he decided to... Uh, to um, leave the organization and i think it this is i I think this has been mentioned in in articles is the cuban mark cuban has an analytical approach to things um and, and how he does business with the team and obviously when you have a guy who former pro gambler became a millionaire gambling um and like i said 
in the research and development um, in sector of the organization, uh, Mark Cuban's is probably going to favor a guy like Volgaris over someone like Donnie Nelson, even though Donnie Nelson had been in the organization for 20 plus years. Um, and, and I think another factor is with the players and it, to um, narrow it down to a specific player in Luka Doncic, who's the young star um, from Slovakia. He played pro ball in Spain before getting drafted by the Mavericks and coming over here to play. He's one of the best young talents in the league. He's only 22 years old. He's actually eligible for the Supermax contract since he made an all-NBA team. So his future is super bright in the league, obviously. And Doncic, it's not like he's going to request a trade. Like, I don't think it's this severe, but he's definitely not the happiest right now with the organization. Um, and he he doesn't really like, um, apparently, he uh, he doesn't like Volgaris' presence and influence uh, towards the organization. Um, but I think I it seems like right now, just based on what I'm reading, that th- this will kind of, not necessarily fully resolve itself, but it'll there there'll be um a minimization of damage to where it's not like Luke is going to request a trade. Uh, so yeah, and and I this almost I almost forgot to say this, but uh, the Mavericks parted ways with their head coach Rick Carlisle as well. So it's a kind of um this is going to be a new um a, a different looking organization now coming next year. Uh, getting a new GM, whether it be Volgaris or somebody else, but definitely a new head coach to to help try to keep together the this this roster with Luka Doncic that has, I think, pretty good potential if if Doncic continues to get um better um than he are than he already is. So yeah, the Mavericks looking for a GM and a head coach, but um it seems like things aren't necessarily in the best situation right now. Um uh, specifically because uh, you have the situation with Volgaris and and kind of, I guess, uh, potentially some confusion of, of how he fits in the organization. So there was a kind of a big trade move here, and it's, and it's a rare one because it has happened before the NBA combine. Usually you have trades happen after that, uh, but the Celtics didn't want to waste any time and they trade Kemba Walker, who is a former all-star that the Celtics acquired in free agency. Um, but unfortunately Walker dealt with um, some injuries to where he had to kind of be limited in, in his playing time to where like if, if even if he was healthy, he wouldn't be playing um, games back to back. So say team plays Thursday, he won't play Friday. Um, and, and I think, um, well, actually, hold on. Let me just let me just get let me just um, mention what the deal exactly was. So it, the Celtics are trading Kemba Walker, the 2020 first round pick, which is going to be the 16th overall pick in this year's uh, in this um, upcoming draft, and a 2025 second rounder to Oklahoma City, the Thunder, for Al Horford who previously played for the Celtics before he went to Philadelphia and then went to Oklahoma City, but now he's back with the Celtics, so that's good. Have a veteran big man presence. And then you have Moses Brown, who had 
roughly eight points and eight rebounds a game last season for the Thunder, and he had, or or he's seven two, yeah, seven feet two inches, and he is only twenty one years old, so he can definitely develop, and I think he is. Um, this could mean. Um, a doomsday scenario for Taco Fall, who's like the seven-six uh, center that the Celtics um, picked up from from Central Florida. There, um, I think Moses Brown is going to be more effective, uh, more effective, super tall, big man for the team. Um, and then the Celtics are also getting a 2023 second round pick. Now, from an organizational front office standpoint. Um, if you remember me saying or just hearing in the news that Danny Ainge was um, retiring as as the president of basketball operations for the Celtics and Dan, and um, Brad Stevens, the uh, now former head coach, he was taking over that job. And now the Celtics are still looking for a new head coach. But this basically says that Brad Stevens didn't agree with the Danny Ainge signing that was made for Kemba Walker back when it happened a couple or a few years ago. Um, and it, yeah, it, it's basically, there was definitely some disagreement there. Um, I think Brad Stevens kind of had a feeling that Kemba Walker wasn't going to be his full self after some, some injuries he, he sustained while playing for the Charlotte Hornets. And um, it looks like Stevens is probably right. I don't necessarily like giving up a, this year's first round pick, but um, they the Celtics definitely need help at the the power forward and center position. And Al Horford is a perfect piece to help um, with the development of Robert Williams, who's the young center on the team, um, and guys like Moses Brown and maybe even Taco Fall as well. So. Um, I um I you know I, I think I'll probably end up liking this trade just because I think the Celtics are gonna be getting better at the big man spot. Okay, so for the Euro 2020 tournament, the soccer tournament's going on um, in 2021, of course. Uh, you're still in the group stages, but two of the three group stage stage matches for all the teams um, are completed now, and. I'm just going to see if there's any kind of big surprises here. Um, I mean, right now you have Italy and Wales in Group A. I had Italy and Switzerland, but just slightly from a, a slight advantage from Switzerland. So I guess that that's not too surprising. Um, Belgium, Belgium and Russia are currently 1-2 in the group. Like I said, that's not... Um, Absolutely shocking to me. Uh, what else? Netherlands and Ukraine in Group C. That kind of yeah. That's what that's what I saw there. Czech Republic is surprising me here. Uh, the the Czech Republic got a win over what was it? Croatia? No, they they drew Croatia. Got a win over Scotland. Now they play England, which could be a a, a tougher test, of course. So. There, there's a possibility that, that they'll probably get the Czech Republic could probably get in as a third place team since Croatia plays Scotland and England plays the Czech Republic. Um, I see England and Croatia winning that. So things could work its way out there to where England and Croatia end up being the top two teams. Um, what else? Spain right now is 
it's a little concerning. Uh, that's for sure, because Spain has drawn both of their matches against Sweden and Poland. They play Slovakia, who get, was able to get a win over. Um, who did they win against? Was it Poland? I think they took out Poland. Yes, they did. Okay, so so Slovakia took out Poland, which was kind of surprising, just because. Um, I mean, I know it's just one name, but Lewandowski of of Poland is is a big impact, and it's the reason why they they drew with Spain today. But um, one of those things where I think it should still be uh, Spain and Sweden for me um at, at the top there but um who knows slovakia could play spoilers but I, I think spain will be resilient enough and the most intriguing group of them all was group f because you had france germany and portugal and you had hungary kind of playing a spoiler with with the the draw against france um i still expect those three teams to get in um to the knockout stages because i yeah like i i kind of expect at least one of them to get a um, to get a third place spot, but who knows? Because France does play Portugal coming up here. Um, Germany got a, a key win over Portugal today, four uh, two win, and, and Germany is looking better than they have been in the past. That's for sure. Um, so yeah, so it's it's right now it's it's lined up the way I kind of saw it france germany portugal and and that's that's what it is that's what i had so um that's kind of the euro update there and then i'll check in to see how bad my my knockout bracket prediction was once you have these teams um get to that point uh but yeah it's kind of things are, are kind of expect are kind of um the way i expected it to go and uh so yeah we'll, we'll see if any um, surprises happen for the third match in the group stage. Okay, I want to check in with the U.S. Open Golf Tournament here as it's rolling into the final day uh, um, on Sunday, of course, on Father's Day. And kind of surprising at the top of the leaderboard because you have Russell Henley, who's 63rd in the world, and Mackenzie Hughes, um, who's 67th in the world at the top of the leaderboard. I think they're leading by two strokes. Oh, and then you have you also have Louis Oosthuizen of South Africa, who is tied at the top of the leaderboard, all of them at minus five. And then your technically fourth place golfers are at minus three. That's Rory McIlroy and Bryson DeChambeau. And if I'm looking at the leaderboard and, and the picks that I made, you have Matthew Wolf, who was one of my dark horses. He was at like plus 20,000 uh, 20, to win this tournament, which is ridiculous. So if you bet 100, you would win $20,000. Um, so if he, so he is currently three strokes back of the lead. So still a potential to win. Uh, my my favorite that I picked was Colin Morikawa. He's four shots behind. So uh, probably some decent amount of work to do if he wants to have a shot of winning. And then the other dark horse I had was Lee Westwood. And he made the cut. I know that for sure. Um, and he is currently sitting at six strokes back. So not too bad for my predictions this time around when it came to the U.S. Open Golf Tournament. Um if I had to, I mean, 
it is going to be real interesting to see if guys like Hughes, Ustazen, and Henley will will hang on with a strong feel. I mean, you have McElroy, DeChambeau, Scheffler, John Rahm, Wolf, Dustin Johnson, Morikawa, Xander Shoffley, all within four strokes. Um, this is going to be one heck of a, a, a final round here. Um, if I had to pick a winner, um, I mean, obviously, I would I would love Matthew Wolf to win because that was one of my dark horses. But I think I'm going to go with Roy McIlroy. Um, I think it is finally his time to get back in the major winning spotlight. Um, I mean, let me see the last time he won a major in golf. Um, I'm pretty sure it was like at least 2012. I mean, I got it. Let me just make sure, though. Let's see. Oh, 2014. Okay. No, 20. Yeah, 2014. He won the PGA and won the Open. So it's been seven years now since Rory has won a major. Um, I think, yeah, back in 2014, we thought he would be winning a ton more at this point. Um, he would probably be up to like, what? eight or 10. Um, <laughs> but uh, that's, that's, that hasn't been the case. Um, so yeah, I would, I would like to see Roy McElroy win the U S open. Um, but like I said, you still have a ton of very deep field up the top of the leaderboard, um, with, with top players in the world. So it's going to be fun to watch.